Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Talking Foosball, the Ausstieg edition, your source for all things lower league football. Sorry that we are hitting your podcast playlist a little late this week, but I hope you forgive our lateness. Anyways, if you haven't listened to our show before, let me quickly introduce ourselves. I'm Nick Wiltung and joining me today is once again St. Pauli superfan and the man who sort of is still on an unbeaten streak. It's uh, Mike Krickemeyer. How are you doing there over there in Hamburg, Mike? Hi, Nick. Yeah, well, still unbeaten, uh, sort of at least. And more importantly, or still top of the table. So I'm doing good. Well, that's great to hear. Anyways, on this episode of Aufstieg, we'll cover the latest wave of fan protests. Take a closer look at the modern outlook on society of Dynamo Dresden's fans. And we'll tell you how Diaz almost ruined a football club. Right, here we go. It's part one of Talking Foosball, the Ausstieg edition. Right, fan protests. They tend to follow German football matches as uh, booze follows uh, during a trip to the pub. And this time around, there's a new wave of them. Mike, what's going on? Yeah, seems that we are looking for a new investor coming from the big industry of creating tennis balls. At least that would be helpful because... In the Hertha versus HSV game, the game was interrupted for more than 30 minutes because the Berlin fans threw tennis balls on the pitch. And you are probably aware that it's a long way from the home end to the pitch because there's this big uh, track between the terraces and the pitch. But they used some, I don't know, long arms, uh, technical long arms to throw the ball even on that, that pitch. And the big difference to all the protests before... Well, hang, hang, hang on. So they actually brought things into the stadium to help them to propel the balls even further onto the pitch? They did. Great. There is a, a picture of at least one supporter that I've seen many, many times. So the picture. And with that... I don't know what it is called. I, I don't even know the German word. The arm is, well, has the double size. And with that, you can throw the tennis ball without a problem on the pitch. And the big difference to similar protests in the past and in the last couple of weeks was that they did not throw all the tennis balls in one specific situation, but they just continued throwing tennis balls so that uh, the referee needed to send the teams to the locker rooms because the game was interrupted for, in the end, more than 30 minutes. And this caused a huge rage in German media. And what do these supporters think? Who they are? Are they allowed to do that? And the TV commentator said that well, I do understand the protests, but this is not allowed. They are not allowed to do it. Don't they think of all the others in the stadium and so on? Similar things happened next day in Hanover and also the Kaiserslautern fans in Elversberg. They threw citrus fruits on the pitch and sauer in German is a word for the citrus fruit, but also for being angry. And so they played around with that and said, we are really sour. <laughs> Great wordplay. <laughs> Great wordplay. Yeah. And in the end, um, the Hertha fans, of course, announced, hey, 
we are the ones who decide how we protest. And if we think this protest should take 30 minutes, then that's the way it is. And of course, and it's embarrassing that we need to explain that, but protest only works if you annoy some people. So otherwise you don't need to protest. And from that point of view, this protest was very good and successful. And I don't see that this was the end. So the DFL, they are still trying to get this investor deal done with companies supported by countries like Saudi Arabia. So I think these protests will continue for a long, long time. I mean, sort of the paradox of the ultras is that they are against a lot of things that modern football entail and uh, you know investment deals generating new revenue streams getting more money into the game making it more commercially friendly creating new competitions to you know generate even more tv money those things started in the 90s and well they have come to sort of a place now that next year when the champions league kicks off we've got like 500 teams playing in the Champions League and they're playing each other pretty much in a system that pretty much guarantees that all big clubs in Europe, notwithstanding a bad poor performance in a league season, they are always going to be qualified anyways. So we're like one step away from the Super League. But anyways, that's how football has been commercialized over the years. Ultras are going against that and they have sort of kept German football ground. But at the same time, the sort of paradox is is that the Ultras also make German football a very marketable affair in terms of the couriers they create, which is sort of like you can see as something that you can sell as part of the spectacle. And, you know, it's sort of the atmosphere that they create. Mm-hmm. But that's a paradox. It's, well, it's a paradox because you're against something, but at the same time you're creating a sort of atmosphere and you're creating stuff that actually helps sell the same product you sort of are trying to protest against. Yeah, but you don't create that because you want it to be sold. No, so no, no, no. You just create it for, for your own entertainment and for the fun that you have by doing that. And if other people use that for these marketing purposes, I, I totally agree, you're right. But, well, I wouldn't call that a paradox. I wouldn't I would call it, uh, well, I don't know, but this is not something they aim for. So therefore, it's just a, well, coincidence or two separate things of a, uh, I don't know, of, 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 a, of the same story or whatever. But you don't want ultras to stop doing what they are doing. No, no, I, I think it's just a funny side note. But anyways, in terms of what is going on with those fan protests, there are actually some new voices coming along. Uh, VfB Stuttgart's president, Klaus Vogt, spoke to Kicker saying, well, we should probably have a new vote hmm. because there was not enough transparency in terms of that former vote because there was a secret ballot that was being cast. Falfell uh, Osnabrück, they were very clear in their opposition to that deal. The club has gone out in the media saying that we should end casting ballots without accountability. Votes should be made public as long as they're not voting on, you know, which person to put into a certain position. Basically, like uh, the election of board members and stuff. But I think it's rather unrealistic that the most powerful clubs in Germany are going to go along with that new vote. Yeah, but 
I mean, it's all Aki Watzke ever wanted. Yes, but if you take a closer look at the exact text of what they voted for last time, it was just that they bring the DFL board into the position to go for that deal. But if you really sign that deal, they need to have another voting with again two thirds and yeah well you would think that the same clubs that voted in favor of this deal the first time would vote in favor of this deal also in the second time but that's not necessarily the outcome and especially not if you go for a public vote because for example Hanover with Martin Kind they as a club would have voted the other way around they would have voted against it but Martin Kind voted for the deal and If there is a public vote next time and maybe they somehow manage not to send Martin Kind, I don't know the exact details of who needs to be sent there and so on. Well, he's basically the leader of the professional division. Yeah. He's the leader of the professional division that votes for the DFL, but it, it is the Eingetragener Verein or, you know, the club, the mother club yeah. saying how those people should vote. Correct. And if they don't do that, and or if Martin Kind does not do that, that might be a breach to the 50 plus one rule, which also will turn out against Hannover. That is basically Osnabrück's argument, though, that yeah. we should make these votes public because in that way we can actually keep up the spirit of the 50 plus one rule. Yeah. But on the other hand, will the DFL punish Martin Kind for breaching 50 plus one? Yes, of course. They would love to do that, but not on the costs of the investor deal. So this is really, if you look at it, it's a, it's a really funny story in the end. Is it sort of like a little fuck you from Martin Kind in a sense <laughs> yeah. that he was denied to buy Hanover outright because he wanted to do that all his life and he, he applied to do that when he had, uh, you know, been in a position at the club for like 20 plus years yeah i can definitely imagine that he is sitting at home and is laughing the whole day <laughs> great another old guy happy but anyways this is a story that is going to follow us for some time going forward so let's move on to something else well Schalke, the new head of business tielman is his name or tillman he was in the press saying well we want to you know establish ourselves as a long-term bundesliga club How's that going currently, Mike? Well, last time I checked the table, they should hope that they still be in the second league next year. To be fair, they won at the weekend against Braunschweig, so they made a huge step. A huge six-pointer. I mean, yeah, Braunschweig yeah, yeah. basically had won three or four on the bounce, and yes, you know, they suddenly bounced from like eight points to 20 points, and they could have gone past them in the table had they won. Yeah, they were both at 20 points before that game. So Schalke now is three points ahead of them and Braunschweig has the first relegation spot. So it was a really massive game and they won. So big step forward, but 14 games to play, three points lead, that's nothing. So they should still take care that they play second division next year. But okay, as Schalke, you can't make a statement that you want to stay in this league forever. So they need to look forward and they, of course, see themselves in the Bundesliga in the upcoming years again. Sure. Well, I mean, they're sort of bouncing on a tightrope, though, because I read that if they should get relegated, mm -hmm. 
they won't get a license for the Dritte Liga. Is that true? Well, we can only judge on that, so I don't have any reliable information. On the other hand, if you would have asked me when HSV got down five years ago, can they manage to stay in the second league for five years or will they go into bankruptcy? I would have said, okay, they go into bankruptcy latest in the third year. And now they are there for five years. So I think it will be really, really challenging for Schalke to go down into the Dritte Liga. But on the other hand, they are so big. Uh, maybe they are too big to fail. They do have a huge support. And if they ask their fans for some money, maybe they can somehow deal with that. But it will definitely be challenging, of course. You know, I just imagine that Clemens Turnius will see his, you know, his uh, cup to come back as like uh, the knight in shining armor, saving the club once again. And, you know, talking about bringing it back to the Bundesliga when they are in the Dritte Liga. You know, I, I think that sort of scenario might come to pass if they actually do get relegated. And, uh, and luckily, you only mentioned Turnius and not Gazprom. Well, Gazprom has uh, <laughs> bigger issues at the moment. Um, you know geopolitical ones but anyways i mean one more thing that we should mention when it comes to schalke i mean they switched coaches they sacked thomas rice they brought in carol garretts garretts had a sort of very decent record from his time at union saint gilloise in belgium did really well with them wanted to make it at a big club abroad shows schalke i mean decent choice if you know you want to cut yourself on a big club that has fallen on a hard time but now there are more and more reports in the press that he doesn't really master the German language all that well. He cannot communicate properly with his players. There's an internal opposition rising against him at the club. Could we potentially see Schalke changing coaches once again this season? Still judging only, but I would say no. And maybe money is also a factor here because... I don't know if they can afford it to have another trainer on the payroll. <laughs> well, I mean, looking at their next few matches, they are going up against Kiel, they're going up against Wiesbaden and Magdeburg and then St. Pauli. Mm. Challenging, but I Challenging, think yeah. if they don't get four points, I think he's gone. Yeah, okay. Let's assume five or six match days before end of the season, they are on a relegation spot. I can't imagine that he will stay. You're right. but. On the other hand, they might not be able to afford it. And then that will be yeah, challenging again. Hoopstales will do it for free. Anyways, we mentioned your beloved St. Pauli at the top of the show. Well, undefeated in the league, out of the cup. How disappointing was that? It was a massive shock, of course, because, well, some of you might have seen the game. We were facing Dusseldorf again after we beat them away in the league on the Saturday before. And we scored a late equalizer in the last minute of extra time. And then we lost on penalties. And yeah, we haven't lost a single game since April last year. So, of course, it was really disappointing to do that in the quarterfinal of the cup. If we would have won, there could have been a semi-final against another second division team. As we know now, it's Kaiserslautern. Could have been Hertha as well. And oh, yeah, the dream of going to Berlin to maybe even play in Europe next year, it was there. And uh, of course, it was really disappointing. On the other hand, after the winter break, 
three games in the league, three wins, top of the table, five points clear of HSV, six points clear of Kiel, seven points clear of Fürth now, and we beat Fürth and Düsseldorf, so the actual fourth and fifth place in these three games. So sun is shining bright, not on all topics. We will come to that. So we do have some rain in Hamburg at the moment. But yeah, the atmosphere is quite good and we are looking forward for the rest of the season. And now also our two Australian internationals are coming back. So yeah, nothing to worry about. So what is some powder going to do about the Hamburg rain? Yeah, I am not really proud of saying that, but we will go to Mallorca next week for training. Oh, are you joining? <laughs> Unfortunately not. And yeah, you always talk about the environment and being sustainable and so on. And then you say, okay, with our whole crew, we will go to a Spanish island to do some training because it's raining in Hamburg and Ah, everyone who is laughing at us now and pointing with the finger off on us and saying, ooh, well, you and your lovely ideas, and now you go to Mallorca for one week. Well, can't say that much against it. On the other hand, the training pitch is in a terrible situation. You might say, okay, HSV would have the same situation. Yeah, but they do have... I don't know, six or eight training pitches so they can switch every single day and therefore the pitch is more or less okay. We just have one and this is in a terrible, yeah, it's it's just terrible looking and therefore they want to switch it next week or exchange it and therefore they go to Mallorca and they will probably not do that much party. They really want to train. Let's hope so. Anyways, you mentioned some cup results there. Stuttgart went out of the cup. By Leverkusen is through. Düsseldorf is through. Uh, we can also tell you now that uh, Kaiserslautern is through. So we've got uh, Leverkusen, Düsseldorf, Kaiserslautern. And well, actually tonight, I was planning on actually keeping an eye on Saarbrücken against Gladbach as we were recording this. But I can't because that match has been cancelled. So, still don't know who the fourth side in the cup is going to be, but anyways... It, um, it was really, really strange because the stadium was packed already. They cancelled the game just a few minutes before kickoff. So, uh, this is something that you would not expect in modern football nowadays. I mean, you are a low league referee yourself. Do you have some respect for the referee that goes onto that pitch like five minutes before kickoff and says, uh, you know what, I can't play here. Sorry, lads. Uh, I think on that level, he's not the only person who decides that. But yeah, in the end, he needs to decide it. And of course, he will have some counselors on his side. You need to discuss that because of TV money and so on. But yeah, if in the end he says, I'm not confident that the physical healthness of the players is okay for today, the risk of injuries is too high. Yeah, it's it's his responsibility. And if he says we cannot kick off this game, then it's his decision. Great. Anyways, this is it for part one. We'll be back with some low league stuff in just a jiff. Rightio, here we go. It's part two of Talking Foosball, the Aufstieg edition. And Mike, let's turn eastwards. Let's turn to Dynamo Dresden. And uh, 
They're lovely, lovely, lovely fans. <laughs> I've actually been to Dresden once, watched Dresden against St. Pauli. That match was decided by Marcel Halstenberger free kick. And I've always wanted to ask you, did you attend that same match? I would need to look it up. So I've been to Dresden once in the old stadium. This was long before Marcel Halstenberg. And I've been to the new stadium twice. And I don't think I have seen a win. So it was a loss and a draw. So it was probably not that game. Well, then it was not that game. Anyways, stones were thrown at the St. Pauli team bus after that match. Oh, this happens every time. So, But that might tell you a thing or two about the Dynamo <laughs> Dresden fans. And what have they been up to now, this lovely bunch? Yeah, they played in Ingolstadt this weekend. And they, of course, also protested against the DFB, DFL, whatsoever. I think many German fans or... No, no, no I don't say that. But some people at least might not know the difference so dfb just protested against as well as the dfl and dresden referred to a sanction that the dfb issued against bayer leverkusen some days ago because bayer leverkusen raised a banner in a game against werder against the werder bremen fans who are really open-minded as you all know who also support transgender rights and uh, gay and lesbian rights and so on. And the Leverkusen fans raised a banner stating, I don't recall the exact wording, but it was something that there are only two genders. And of course, this is a huge discussion in Germany at the moment. And it just shows yeah, their point of view and of course also their uh, small-minded minds. The mind of people who think that Jordan Peterson really is an intellectual. Yeah, correct. And the DFB sanctioned that with a fee, I don't know the exact amount. And now on the weekend, Dynamo Dresden made a similar statement that there's just one stupid DFB and there are just two genders, something like that. And after that, the, the club said, well, yeah, that's a protest. And the, this is okay, because with statements like this, yeah, you just want to raise awareness of that topic or something like that. And You want to raise awareness about that? No, awareness was not their wording. So it, it was, you just want to, to bring up that topic, let's put it like that. And of course, this statement is shortened and therefore it happens and that's the way it is. That's a statement that you would, yeah... Expect from Dynamo, I would say, and this is exactly what they did. It's sort of like Groundhog Day with a lot of these clubs, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> Zwickau, Chemnitz, Energie Coppers, Dynamo Dresden. I mean, they do tend to be blind on the right eye from time to time. These clubs and uh, Hansa Rostock. Yeah, they always so uh, they're always so surprised if you say something like that. They don't, just don't understand it. I sort of get the tough spot that the officials, the people who are doing the marketing, the people who are cracking the numbers are in, because, I mean, they must know. They must know that a certain part of their fan base and your fan base is basically your customer. 
And the lower down the divisions you go, the more important becomes the actual customer. I mean, it's not like, I mean, in the Bundesliga, and if you play Champions League football, European football, you, you know, I mean, you define yourself through the TV money and, you know, sponsorship money and, um, you know, the actual amount of jerseys sold and tickets sold, sausages and all that sold. Doesn't matter as much as retaining, you know, the, the, the money from the TV money and the Champions League money that you get. But once you get down the divisions, you know, the stuff that comes in from your customers gets more and more important, especially when you're playing the third tier. I mean, the third tier is basically you're neither in heaven nor in hell. I mean, hell is Regionalliga. Heaven is basically the Bundesliga 2 and the Bundesliga in terms of what sort of revenue streams you can generate. But anyways, so I get the fact that it's very important to sort of keep these guys coming back, spending their money. But at the same time, do you really want to have the money flowing in from people who you wouldn't invite around to your house because their worldview is nasty, hateful, spiteful? I mean, that's the question you have to answer. And, uh, you know, my, my answer would be no. But again, I'm not looking at the numbers and saying, oh, shit, we really need to retain all of those ticket sales that we are currently having. Yeah. Don't need to what I should add on that. You're right. <laughs> By the way, did you see the statement by Alemannia Aachen when we're talking about being blind on the right eye? Uh, yeah, of course. And they also stated a second one a day after. Oh. Uh, so the first one was saying... We don't want to support all the demonstrations against Nazis at the moment because sport and politics should not be mixed. And yeah, to, to go to such a demonstration just splits up the German society and we don't want to support that. So, of course, there was a really big shitstorm. <laughs> so, so hang on. Saying that you are against Nazis is basically forcing a divide. Yeah. Great. That's what they said in the first statement. <laughs> Yes. And what was the second statement? Was it sort of like, well, we've reconsidered, be against Nazis, please. Uh, yeah, more or less. But this only arrived after a huge shitstorm uh, all over the country. And then I think they needed, I'm not sure, I, I think they needed two days to do that. So the first day afterwards, they published a picture with the board member and one or two people who looked like they might have a migrant history from other countries. So uh, this was their kind of saying, hey, I do have some friends who from other countries, so I can't be racist. <laughs> it, uh, it just really, really stupid. And then one more day they needed to bring up a statement which said okay we are sorry of course if you go to a demonstration against nazis you do not separate the society but you're doing the right thing but this again took another day and again it's once again don't piss off your customers i mean Aachen have a huge right-wing fan base and that is well known yeah anyways oh by the way did you see that harry kane really um I spoke out of line when he was meeting some Bayern fans the other day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a child asked him, what is your favorite animal? And what was his answer? A lion. Oh, no. And, you know, poor Harry. Poor old Harry. He's, he probably thought, well, you know, I, I play with three lions on my shirt when I'm playing for the national team. So that must be right. Little did he know that he hadn't researched his Munich history enough. Yeah. Well, 
The lion, as you might all know, is the animal of 1860, the local rival. So maybe he should have reconsidered that. Well, I mean, he, he gave us a second answer, and that was a dog. <laughs> Great. Anyways, 1860 Munich, they are sort of like the chaos club of the Dritte Liga of the third tier. I mean, they are HSV and FC Köln rolled into one, pretty much. Mm-hmm. What's going on there at the moment? The, the, there were some terrible results in the last couple of weeks, but they won yesterday evening. That's all I realized. They did win yesterday evening indeed. They actually kicked out the head of finances called Mark Nikolai Pfeiffer. Uh, additionally, they introduced a new uh, head of business. And there is some divide between President Reisinger and the investors at the moment. So they're arguing back and forth through the press once again. And Hazan Ismaik is somehow involved, let me guess. Yes, yes. I mean, through his, I think it's his cousin or his brother, or I, I mean, some family member that is actually sitting on the board, which is communicating with the press in Germany. And sad family member told a Munich newspaper that uh, President Reisinger is taking great liberties and he's saying a lot of hateful things in the press, which, you know, really bodes well, really bodes well. I mean, to remind us, I mean, Hassan Ismail is basically the guy who bought this club for 18 million euros, which in terms of football money, is not all that much. It's the left arm of Harry Kane or the one of his fingers, maybe. It's Pinky. <laughs> but anyways, I mean, um, he was too cheap to keep them in the Dritte Liga and allowed them to get relegated to the Regionalliga Bayern because he didn't want to put up more money. And uh, I mean, he's one of those guys who's been constantly on about how the 50 plus one rule is unfair. He's sort of like that itch that you cannot get rid of if you're 1860 Munich fan, isn't he? Well, looks like, yeah. So he's, he's going to be around uh, for some time to come. And But well, talking about Bavaria and animals... Do we have another story on that? Oh dear, do we? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, that's a good one. <laughs> yes, we do. It's, it's, it's about SV Loberg. Now, who has not heard about that? Yeah, which division are they playing in? <laughs> it's the Kreisklasse Ost. It's ninth tier football in Bavaria. Ninth tier football in Bavaria. So we are, I assume, in a village. Yeah, a village of more or less 2,000 people. Loberg, SV Loberg, and they have been ruined because of deers. Deers? And it's a really, really, really wild story, and I'm not sure if we can manage to bring this whole story to the audience, but we will give our best. Right, so. How does it start? It? Last year at Carnival. Carnival? Great. Mm hmm. Carnival is a big thing in some parts of Germany, especially in the West and in the South. I'm not involved in that at all. But on uh, Fasching's Montag, so the Monday when Carnival hits its peak, there are some wagons floating the streets in these areas with funny figures on it, funny, more not-so-funny statements. And in this village... There was a statement that, let me just go back to the correct spot in the article. We, we probably will add the article to show notes and then you can read it yourself because it's a long and really entertaining story. And on that wagon, there was a message, let me roughly translate it like, 
I don't want to repair the fence. I prefer to let the deers out. Ooh, who let the mm -hmm. deers out? Okay, so that, that seems harmless enough. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, the, there is a small story behind that. So there is a business guy in that area and he owns a certain part in that area. And this area was not protected enough with fences. And therefore, the deers that were in that area ruined more or less the village over several weeks. So this is the story behind that. Obviously, after that message on that wagon, he was pissed. <laughs> and unfortunately, he also owns another area where the local football club has its pitch and the locker rooms and so on. And from the pitch, there's a third of that pitch on the area of that business guy. And the club... It's, it's a sport club, like many clubs in Germany. It is responsible for the whole village and not only for football. And he also started, this club also started this carnival march. And therefore, the business guy said, okay, you are responsible for that. You pissed me off, so I don't renew your contract for the pitch and locker rooms and all this stuff. And now this club, of course, has a huge problem because they don't know where to play in the future. Well, I mean, it's Loberg. It's a small village. Probably not that easy finding a new pitch. Yeah, you, you should think that. But uh, unfortunately, it is, of course, challenging. And the club does not want to move to any other strange area. <laughs> I don't know. There, there might be some solutions. They could move the pitch a little bit so that it does not touch the area of that business guy anymore. They also tried to buy that area from him. The village raised a whole huge amount of money to buy it, but he declined that. And in the end, he offered that he would give that contract again to the club, but he would like to be an honorable member of the club an honorable citizen of Loburg, and he would like to receive some honors by the Bavarian Football Association. And the Noble Committee is right behind in the queue, um, calling any time. Yeah, and of course, I don't know what other nominees are, whatever prices he's, he's waiting here, yeah, but... In the end, uh, after uh, a long discussions, it turns out that this was more or less a joke from him. And of course, he's also really in favor of supporting the club and the youth football and so on. But this goes down uh, for months now. And in February, they hope to find a solution. And uh, yeah, we will keep you informed. Let's hope they do. I mean, I love one of the quotes that I read in the FUPA article, which was like, I thought it wasn't all that hurtful of a couple of, uh, what's he calling? Uh, Hansa, a couple of guys, basically, if, if they're not allowed to play football on their pitch. But then I read about the youth football and I was moved to tears. How much the club means for the local youth. Well, nice to see that he's moved out from the underside of his rock and is willing to, you know, maybe find a solution. And uh, to be fair to him, I think the 185,000 euros are not just for the football pitch, but the other parts that he owns as well. Right? Yeah. 
So it's, it's, it's not like the 33 meters and uh, 60, yeah. But anyways, I mean, there, there might be another solution as well. I mean, the, the football which can be moved and, well, the clubhouse would have to be rebuilt on the property of the city. And in the meantime, they could use the facilities of an old school and build a shower container. So hopefully there will be some solution and yeah, let's hope there's some Kumbaya in Loberg. Anyways, this is it for another edition of Talking Foosball, the Aufstieg edition. Mike, always great to have you on. Uh, tell our listeners where they can find your work and if they still can find you on social media. They can find me or better us on social media with all kinds of tools uh, with the Milanton, Milanton DE. You won't find us on Twitter anymore. We finally left that. So you should also do that. Well, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I'm still on X as it's called now. Anyways, I'm on X at Norm Musings. You can find the podcast at Talking Foosball. Please feel free to leave us a rating in iTunes. Uh, write us a review if you're very kind and have the time to do so. This episode of Talking Foosball has been produced by Aiden Rantoul. We'll be back in just a few days with all the latest from the Bundesliga. And oh boy, oh boy. We do have all the latest from the clash between Bayer Leverkusen and Bayern Munich then. So it's going to be a good one. Until then, it's goodbye for now. 